reading continue with the new earth awakening to your life purpose chapter 3 most people are so completely identified with the voice in their head the incessant dream of involuntary and compressed thinking and the emotions that As long as you are completely unaware of this, you take the thinker to be who you are. This is the egoic mind. We call it egoic because there is a sense of self, of I, ego. In every thought, every memory, every interpretation, opinion, viewpoint, reaction, emotion, this is unconsciousness spiritually speaking your thinking the content of your mind is of course conditioned by the past your upbringing culture family background and so on the central core of all your mind activities consists of certain repetitive and persistent thoughts emotions and reactive patterns that you identify with most strongly this entity is the ego itself in most cases when you say i it is the ego speaking not you as we are saying it consists of thoughts and emotions of a bundle of memories you identify with as me and my story of habitual roles you play without knowing it of collective identifications such as nationality religion race racial class or political allegiance it also contains personal identifications not only with possession but also with opinion external apparent long-standing resentment or concept of yourself as better than or not as good as others as a success or failure the content of the ego varies from person to person but in every ego the same structure operates in other words egos only differ on the surface deep down they are all the same in what way are the same they live on identification and separation when you live through the made with the mind made self comprised of thought and emotion that is the ego the basic of your identity is precarious because thoughts and emotion are by their very nature ephemeral fleeting so 
every ego is continuously struggling for survival, trying to protect and enlarge itself to uphold the I thought. It needs the opposite thought of the other. The conceptual I cannot survive without the conception other. The others are most other when I see them as my enemies. At one end of the scale of this unconscious egoic pattern lies the ego-compulsive habit of fault-finding and complaining about others. Jesus referred to it when he said, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? At the other end of the scale, there is physical violence between individuals and warfare between nations. In the Bible, Jesus' question remains unstirred. But the answer is, of course, because when I criticize or condemn another, it makes me feel bigger, superior. Complaining and resentment. Complaining is one of the ego's favorite strategies for strengthening itself. Every complaint is a little story the mind makes up that you completely believe in. Whether you complain aloud or only in thoughts makes no difference. Some egos that perhaps don't have much else to identify with easily survive on complaining alone. When you are in the grip of such an ego, complaining especially about other people, it's habitual and, of course, unconscious, which means you don't know what you are doing. Applying negative mental level to people, either to the face or more commonly when you speak about them to others or even just think about them, is often part of this pattern. Name calling is the broadest form of such labeling and of the ego's need to be right and triumph over others. Drug, bastard, bitch, all definitive pronouncements that you can argue with or the next level down on the scale of unconsciousness you have shouting and screaming and not much below that physical violence resentment is the emotion that goes with complaining and the mental labeling of people and adds even more in energy to the ego resentment means to feel bitter, indignant, aggrieved, 
are offended. You resent other people's greed, their dishonesty, their lack of integrity, what they are doing, what they did in the past, what they said, what they failed to do, what they should or should not have done. The ego loves it instead of overlooking unconsciousness in others you make it into their identity who is doing that the unconsciousness in you the ego sometimes the fault that you perceive in another is not even there it is a total misinterpretation a projection by a mind to see enemies and to make itself right or superior. At other times, the fault may be there, but by focusing on it, sometimes to the exclusion of everything else, you amplify it. And what you react to in another, you strengthen in yourself. Non-reaction to the ego in others is one of the most effective ways not only of going beyond ego in yourself but also of dissolving the collective human ego but you can only be in a state of non-reaction if you can recognize someone's behavior or as coming from the ego has been an expression of the collective human dysfunction. When you realize it's not personal, there is no longer a compulsion to react as if it were. By not reacting to the ego, you will often be able to bring out the sanity in others, which is the unconditioned consciousness as opposed to the condition. At times, you may have to take practical steps to protect yourself from deeply unconscious people. This you can do without making them into enemies. Your greatest protection, however, is being conscious. Somebody become an enemy if you personalize the unconsciousness that is the ego. Non-reaction is not weakness but strength. Another word for non-reaction is forgiveness. To forgive is to overlook or rather to look through. You look through the ego to the sanity that is in every human being as is or her essence. The ego loves to complain and feel resentful not only about other people but also about situations. What you can do to a person, you can also do to a situation. Make it into an enemy. The implication is always this should not be happening. I don't want to be here. 
I don't want to be doing this. I am being treated unfairly. And the ego's greatest enemy of all is, of course, the present moment, which is to see life itself. Complaining is not to be confused with informing someone of a mistake or deficiency so that it can be put right. And to refrain from complaining does not necessarily mean putting up with bad quality or behavior. There is no ego in telling the weather that your soup is cold and needs to be heat up if you stick to the fact which are always neutral. How dare you serve me cold soup? That's complaining. There is a me here that loves to feel personally offended by the cold soup and is going to make the most of it. me that enjoys making someone wrong the complaining we are talking about is in the service of the ego not of change sometimes it becomes obvious that the ego does not really want change so that it can go on complaining see if you can catch that is to say notice the voice in the head perhaps in the very moment it complains about something and recognize it for what it is the voice of the ego no more than a conditioned mind pattern it taught whenever you notice that voice you will also realize that you are not the voice but the one who is aware of it in fact you are the awareness that is aware of the voice in the background there is the awareness in the foreground there is the voice the thinker in this way you are becoming free of the ego free of the unobserved mind the moment you become aware of the ego in you it is strictly speaking no longer the ego but just an old conditioned mind pattern ego implies awareness awareness and ego cannot coexist the old mind pattern or mental habit may still survive and reoccur for a while because it has the momentum of thousands of years of collective human unconsciousness behind it but every time it is recognized it is awakening reactive in grievances Whereas resentment is often the emotion that goes with complaining, it may also be accompanied by a stronger emotion such as anger or some other form of upset. In this way, 
it become more highly charged energetically. Complaining then turns into reactivity, another of the ego's ways of strengthening self. There are many people who are always waiting for the next thing to react against, to feel annoyed and disturbed about, and it never takes long before they find it. This is an outrage, they say. How dare you? I resent this. They are addicted to upset and anger as others are to a dog. Through reacting against this or that, they are set and strengthen their feeling of self. A long-standing resentment is called a grievance. To carry a grievance is to be in a permanent state of against. And that is why grievances constitute a significant part of many people's ego. Collective grievances can survive for centuries in the sex of nation or tribe and fuel a never-ending cycle of violence. A grievance is a strong negative emotion connected to an event in the sometimes distant past that is being kept alive by compulsive thinking, by retelling the story in the head or out loud of what someone did to me or what someone did to us. A grievance will also contaminate other areas of your life. For example, while you're thinking about and feel your grievance, its negative emotional energy can distort your perception of an event that is happening in the present or influence the way in which you speak or behave towards someone in the present. One strong grievance is enough to contaminate large area of your life and keep you in the grips of the ego. It requires honesty to see whether you still harbor grievances whether there is someone in your life you have not completely forgiven an enemy if you do become aware of the grievance both on the level of thoughts as well as emotion that is to say be aware of the thoughts that keep it alive and feel the emotion that is the body's response to those thoughts. Don't try to let go of the grievance. Try to let go to forgive does not work. Forgiveness happens naturally when you see that it has no purpose other than to strengthen a false sense of self to keep the ego in place. 
The seeing is freeing. Jesus' teaching to forgive your enemies is essentially about the undoing of one of the main egoic structures in the human mind. The past has no power to stop you from being present now. Only your grievance about the past can do that. And what is grievance? The baggage of all thoughts and emotion. Being right, making wrong. Complaining as well as forfading and reactivity strengthening the ego's sense of boundary and separateness on which its survival depends. But they also strengthen the ego in another way by giving it a feeling of superiority on which it strives. It may not be immediately apparent how complaining say about the traffic jam, about politicians, about the greedy, wealthy, or the lazy unemployed, or your colleague or ex ex spouse, men or women, can give you a sense of superiority. Here's why. When you complain by implication, you are right in the personal situation you complain about or react against is wrong. There is nothing that's treating the ego more than being right. Being right is identification with a mental position, a perspective, an opinion, a judgment, or a story for you to be right. Of course, you need someone else to be wrong. And so the ego loves to make wrong in order to be right. In other words, you need to make others wrong in order to get a stronger sense of who you are. Not only a person, but also a situation can be made wrong through complaining and reactivity, which always implies that this should not be happening. Being right places you in a position of imaginary moral superiority in relation to the person or situation that is being judged and found wanting. It is that sense of superiority the ego craves and through it, it enhances itself. We'll be right back. In defense of an illusion, fact undoubtedly exists. If you say light travel faster than sound and someone else say the opposite is the case, you are obviously right 
and he is wrong. The simple observation that lighting Chris' death thunder could confirm this. So not only you are right, but you know you are right. Is there any ego involved in this? Possibly, but not necessarily. If you are simply stating what you know to be true, the ego is not involved at all because there is no identification. Identification with what? With mind and a mental position. Such identification, however, can easily creep in. If you find yourself saying, believe me, I know, or why do you never believe me, then the ego has already crept in. It is hidden in the little word me. A simple statement, light is faster than sound. Although true is now in the service of illusion of ego, it has become contaminated with a false sense of I. It has become personalized, turned into a mental position. The I feel diminished or offended because somebody does not believe that I said. Ego takes everything personally. Emotion arises, defensiveness, perhaps even aggression. Are you defending the truth? No, the truth in any case needs no defense. The light or sound does not care about what you or anybody else thinks. You are defending yourself, or rather the illusion of yourself, the mind-made substitute. It would be even more accurate to say that the illusion is defending itself. If even the simple and straightforward realm of fact can lend itself to ego, distortion, and illusion. How much more so the less tangible realm of opinion, viewpoint, and judgment, and all of them thought form that can easily become confused with a sense of I. Ego, every ego confuses opinion and viewpoint with facts. Furthermore, it cannot tell the difference between an event and its reaction to that event. Every ego is a master of selective perception, perception and discerning interpretation only through awareness, not through thinking. Can you differentiate between fact and opinion? Only through awareness are you able to see. There is the situation and here is the anger I feel about it. And then we realize there are other ways of approaching the situation 
other ways of seeing it and dealing with it. Only through awareness can you see the totality of the situation or person instead of adopting one limit perspective. Truth relative or absolute. Beyond the realm of simple and verifiable facts, the certainty that I am right and you are wrong is a dangerous thing in personal relationships as well as in interaction between nations, tribes, religion, and so on. But if the belief I am right, you are wrong, is one of the ways in which the ego strengthens itself, if making yourself right and others wrong is a mental defunction that perpetuates separation and conflict between human beings, does that mean there's no such things as right or wrong behavior, action, or belief? And would not that be the moral relativism that some contemporary Christian teachings say at the great evil of our times? The history of Christianity is, of course, a prime example of how the belief that you are in sole possession of the truth, that is to say, right, can corrupt your action and behavior to the point of insanity. For centuries, torturing and burning Paul alive if their opinion diverge, even in the slightest from church doctrine or narrow interpretations of scripture, the truth was considered right because the victims were wrong. They were so wrong that they need to be killed. The truth was considered more important than human life. And what was the truth? A story you had to believe in, which means a bundle of thoughts the one million people that man dictated Paul part of Cambodia ordered kill included everybody who wore glasses. Why? To him, the Marxist interpretation of history was the absolute truth, and according to his version of it, those who wore glasses belonged to the educated class. The burghers, the exploiters of the peasants, they needed to be eliminated to make room for a new social order. His truth also was a bundle of truths, of thoughts. The Catholic and other churches are actually correct 
when they identify with relativism that believes that there is no absolute truth to guide human behaviors as one of the evil of our time but you won't find absolute truth if you look for it where it cannot be found in doctrines ideologies set of rules or stories what do all of those have in common they are made up of thoughts thoughts can at best point to the truth but it never is the truth that's why buddhists say the finger pointing to the moon is not the moon all religions are equally false and equally true depending on how you use them you can use them in the service of the ego or you can use them in the service of the truth if you believe only your religion is the truth you are using it in the service of the ego use in such a way religion becomes ideology and creates an illusory sense of superiority as well as division and conflict between people in the service of the truth religious teaching represent simple signpost of or maps left behind by awakening human to assist you in spiritual awakening that is to say in becoming free of identification with form there is only one absolute truth and all other truth emanate from it when you find that truth your action will be in alignment with it human action can reflect the truth or it can reflect illusion can the truth be put into words yes but the words are of course not it they only point to it the truth is inseparable from who you are yes you are the truth if you look for it elsewhere you will be deceived every time the very being that you are is true jesus tried to convey that when he said i am the way and the truth and the life those words uttered by jesus are one of the most powerful and direct pointers to the truth if understood correctly if misinterpreted however there become a great obstacle jesus speaks of the innermost i am the essence identity of every man and woman every life form in fact he speak of the life that you are some christian mystics have called it the christ within buddhists call it your buddha nature for hindus it is atma the indwelling god when you are in touch with that 
dimension within yourself and being in touch with is your natural state not some miraculous achievement all your actions and relationship will reflect the oneness yes it will reflect the oneness with all life that you sense deep within this is love laws commandments rules and regulations are necessary for those who are cut off from who they are the truth within they prevent the worst excesses of the ego and often they don't even do that love and do what you will said saint augustine word cannot get much closer to the truth than that the ego is not personal on a collective level the mindset we are right and they are wrong is particularly deeply entrenched in those parts of the world where conflict between two nations races tribes religions or ideologies is long standing extreme and endemic both sides of the conflict are equally identified when their own perspective their own story that is to say identified with thought both are equally incapable of seeing that another perspective another story may exist and also be valid israel writer why helvi speak of the possibility of accommodating a competing narrative but in many parts of the world people are not yet able or willing to do that but side believe themselves to be in possession of the truth both regard themselves as victims and the other as evil and because they have conceptualized and thereby dehumanized the other as the enemy they can kill and inflict all kind of violence on the other even on children without feeling the humanity in suffering they become trapped in an insane spiral of repetition and retribution action and reaction here it become obvious that the human ego in its collective expect as us against them is even more insane than the me the individual ego although the mechanisms is the same by far the greater part of violence that human have inflicted on each other is not the work of criminals or the mentally deranged 
birth of normal respectable citizen in the service of the collective ego one can go so far as to say that on this planet normal equals insane what is it that lies at the roots of this insanity complete identification with thoughts emotion that is to say ego greed selfishness exploitation cruelty and violence are still are pervasive on this planet when you don't recognize them as individual and collective manifestation of an underlying dysfunctions or mental illness you fall into the error of personalizing them you construct a conceptual identity for an individual or group and you say this is who is this is who they are when you confuse the ego that you perceive in others with their identity it is the work of your own ego that uses this misperception to strengthen itself through being right and therefore superior and through racing reacting with condemnation indignation and often anger against the perceived enemy all this is enormously satisfying to the ego it's strengthening the sense of separation between yourself and the other whose othersness has become magnified so to such an extent that you can no longer feel your common humanity nor to rootness in the one life that you share with each human being your common divinity the particular egoic patterns that you react to most strongly in others and misperceive as their identity tend to be the same patterns that are also in you but that you are unable or unwilling to detect within yourself in that sense you have much to learn from your enemies what is it in them that you find most upsetting most disturbing selfishness the greed the need for power and control the insincerity dishonesty propensity to violence or whatever it may be anything that you resent and strongly react to in another is also in you but it is no more than a form of ego and as such it is completely impersonal 
it has nothing to do with who that person is nor has it anything to do with who you are only if you mistake it for who you are can observing it within you be threatening to your sense of self what is a mindset in certain cases you may need to protect yourself or someone else from being harmed by another but be aware of making it your mission to eradicate evil as you are likely to turn into the very thing you are fighting against fighting unconsciousness will draw you into unconsciousness yourself unconsciousness that functional egoic behavior can never be defeated by attacking it even if you defeat your opponent the unconsciousness will simply have moved into you or the opponent repairs in a new disguise whatever you fight you strengthen and what you resist persists this day you frequently hear the expression the why again this or that and whenever i hear it i know that it is condemned to failure there is the war against drugs the war against crime the war against terrorism the war against cancer the war against poverty and so on for example despite the war against crime and drugs there has been a dramatic increase in crime and drugs related offenses in the past 25 years the prison population of the united states has gone up from just under 300,000 into 980 to staging 2.1 million in 2004 the war against disease has given us among other things antibiotics at first they were spectacularly successful seemingly enabled us to win the war against infection disease now many experts agree that the widespread and indiscriminate use of antibiotic has created time bomb and that antibiotics resistant strength of bacteria so called superbugs will in all likelihood bring about a reemergence of those diseases and possibly epidemic according to the journal of the American Medical Association medical treatment 
is the third leading cause of death after heart disease and cancer in the United States. Homeopathy and Chinese medicine are two examples of possible alternative approaches to disease that do not threat the illness as an enemy and therefore do not create new diseases. War is a mindset and all action that comes out of such a mindset will either strengthen the enemy, the perceived evil, or if the war is won, will create a new enemy, a new evil equal to and often worse than the one that was defeated. There is a deep interrelatedness between your state of consciousness and external reality. When you are in the grip of a mindset such as war, your perception perception become extremely selective as well as distorted. In other words, you will see only what you want to see and then misinterpret it. You can imagine what kind of action comes out of such a delusional system. Or instead of imagining it, watch the news on TV tonight. Recognize the ego for what it is, a collective dysfunction, the insanity of the human mind. When you recognize it for what it is, you no longer misperceive it as somebody identity. Once you see the ego for what it is, it becomes much easier to remain non-reactive toward it. You don't take it personally anymore. There is no complaining, blaming, accusing, or making wrong. Nobody is wrong. It is the ego in someone. That's all. Compassion arises when you recognize that all are suffering from the same sickness of the mind, some more acutely than others, you do not fuel the drama anymore that is part of all egoic relationship. What is its fuel? Reactivity. The ego thrives on it. We'll be right back.
you may not be able to feel it at this moment you may have to wait for a situation or even just a thought that triggers a reaction in you someone accusing you of this or that not acknowledging you encroaching on your territory questioning the way you do things and argument about money can you then feel the enormous surge of force moving through you the fear perhaps being masked by anger or hostility can you hear your own voice becoming harsh or shrill or louder in a few octaves lower can you be aware of your mind racing to defend its position justify attack blame in other words can you awaken at that moment of unconsciousness can you feel that there is something in you that is at war something that feels threatened and want to survive at all costs that needs the drama in order to assert its identity as the vicious character within theatrical production can you feel there is something in you that would rather be right than at peace beyond ego your true identity when the ego is at war know that it is no more than an illusion that is fighting to survive that illusion think it is you it is not easy at first to be there as the witnessing presence especially when the ego is in survival mode or some emotional pattern from the past has become activated but once you have had a taste of it you will go in prison power and the ego will lose it gripped on you and so a power comes into your life that is far greater than the ego greater than the mind all that is required to become free of the ego is to be aware of it sense awareness and ego are incompatible awareness is the power that is concealed within the present moment this is why we may also call it presence the ultimate purpose of human existence which is to say your purpose is to bring that power into this world and this is also why becoming free of the ego cannot be made into a goal to be attained at some point in the future only presence can free you of the ego and you can only be present now 
not yesterday or tomorrow. Only presence can undo the past in you and thus transform your state of consciousness. What is spiritual realization? The belief that you are spirit. No, that's a thought. A little closer to the truth than the thought that believe you are who your birth certificate say you are. But still, a thought. Spiritual realization is to see clearly that what I perceive, experience, think, or feel is ultimately not who I am. That I cannot find myself in all those things that continuously passed away. The Buddha was probably the first human being to see this clearly and so another, no self, become one of the central point of his teaching. And when Jesus said, deny thyself, what he meant was, Naked and those undo the illusion of self, if the self ego were truly who I am, it would be absurd to deny it. What remains is the light of consciousness in which perceptions, experiences, thoughts, and feelings come and go. That is being. That is the deeper true I. When I know myself as that, whatever happens in my life is no longer of absolute but only of relative importance. I honor it, but it loses its absolute seriousness, its heaviness. The only thing that ultimately matters in this, can I sense my essential beingness, that I am in the background of my life at all times. To be more accurate, can I sense that I am, that I am at this moment? Can I sense my essential identity as consciousness self? Or am I losing myself in what happened, losing myself in the mind, in the world? All structures are unstable. Whatever forms it takes, the unconscious drive behind ego is so is to strengthen the image of who I think I am. The phantom self that came into existence when taught a great blessing as well as a great curse began to take over and obscure the simple yet profound joy of connectedness with being the source God. Whatever behavior the ego manifests, 
the hiding motivating force is always the same they need to stand out be special be in control they need for power for attention for more and of course they need to feel a sense of separation that is to say they need for opposition enemies the ego always wants something from other people or situations there is always a hidden agenda always a sense of not enough yet of insufficiency and lack that needs to be filled it uses people in situations to get what he wants and even when it succeeds it is never satisfied for long often it is what it in its in and for the most part the gap between i want and what is become a constant source of upset and anguish the famous and now classic pop song i can't get no satisfaction is the song of the ego the underlying emotion that govern all the activities of the ego is fear the fear of being nobody the fear of non-existent the fear of death all its activities are ultimately designed to eliminate this fear but the most the ego can ever do is to cover it up temporarily with an intimate relationship a new possession or winning at this or that illusion will never satisfy you only the truth of who you are if realized will set you free why fear because the ego arises by identification with form and deep down it knows that no form of permanent that they are all fleeting so there is always a sense of insecurity around the ego even if on the outside it appears confident as i was walking with a friend through a beautiful nature reserve near malibu in california we came upon the ring of what had been once a country house destroyed by a fire several decades ago as we approached the property long overgrown with trees and all kind of magnificent plant there was a sign by the side of the trail put there by the park authorities it read danger our structure are unstable i said to my friend that's a profound sutra sacred scripture and we stood there in a well 
Once we realize and accept that our structure form are unstable, even the seemingly solid material ones, peace arises within you. This is because the recognition of the impermanence of all form awakens you to the dimension of the formless within yourself, that which is beyond that, Jesus called it, eternal life. The egos need to feel superior. There are many subtle but easily overlooked forms of ego that you may observe in other people and more important in yourself. Remember, the moment you become aware of the ego in yourself, that emerging awareness is who you are beyond ego, the deeper I. The recognition of the false is already the arising of the real. For example, you are about to tell someone the news of what happened. Guess what? You don't know yet. Let me tell you, if you are alert enough, present enough, you may be able to detect a momentary sense of satisfaction within yourself just before imparting the news. Even if it is a bad news, it is due to the fact that for a brief moment, there is in the eyes of the ego an imbalance in your favor between you and the other person. For that brief moment, you know more than the other. The satisfaction that you feel is of the ego and it is derived from feeling a stronger sense of self relative to the other person. Even if he or she is the president or the pope, you feel superior in the moment because you know more. Many people are addicted to gossip. Gossiping partly for the for this reason. In addition, gossiping often carries an element of malicious criticism and judgment of others. And so it also strengthens the ego through the implied but imagined moral superiority that is there whenever you apply a negative judgment to anyone. If someone has more, knows more, or can do more than I, the ego feels threatened because the feeling of less diminished its imagined sense of self relative to the other. It may then try to destroy itself by somehow diminishing, criticizing, or belittling the value of the other person's possession, knowledge, or abilities. Or the ego may shift its strategy and instead of competing with the other person, it will enhance itself by association with that person if he or she 
is important in the eyes of others. Ego and fame, the well-known phenomenon of name dropping, the casual mention of who you know is part of the ego strategy of gaining a superior identity in the eyes of others and therefore in its own eyes through association with someone important. The being of being famous in this world is that who you are become totally obscured by a collective mental image. Most people you meet want to announce their identity, their mental image of who they are through association with you. They themselves may not know that they are not interested in you at all, but only in strengthening their ultimate fictitious sense of self. They believe that through you, they can be more. They are looking to complete themselves through you, or rather through the mental image they have of you as a famous people, a larger-than-life collective conceptual identity. Their absurd overvaluation of fame is just one of the many manifestations of the egoic madness in our world. Some famous people fall into the same error and identify with the collective fiction, the image people and the media have created of them. And they begin to actually see themselves as superior to ordinary mortals. As a result, they become more and more alienated from themselves and others, more and more unhappy, more and more dependent on their continuing popularity, surrounded only by people who feel that inflated self-image, they become incapable of genuine relationship. Albert Einstein, who admired as almost superhuman and whose feat it was to become one of the most famous people on the planet, never identified with the image the collective mind has created of him. He remained humble. Egoless. In fact, he spoke of a protect contradiction between what people consider to be my achievement and ability and the reality of who I am and what I am capable of. This is why it is hard for famous people to be in a genuine relationship with others. A genuine relationship is one that is not dominated by the ego with its image-making and self-seeking. In a genuine relationship, 
there is an outward flow of open alert attention towards the other person in which there is no one thing whatsoever that alert attention is presence it is the prerequisite for any authentic relationship the ego always either wants something or if it believes there is nothing to get from the other it is in a state of utter indifference it does not care about you and so the three predominant states of ego unique relationship are wanting wanted wanting anger resentment blaming complaining and indifference this is it chapter 3 finish what a book i end up read the whole chapter 3 ah this book is so good i don't know for you but i love it i mean ooh, so much so much thing i didn't know i didn't know now i know to find out and now i know to pay attention to my egoic mood you know so all right well i will see you next time enjoy the book and please if you like the book just subscribe and now i'm on audible so you don't have to only go on my podcast you can listen to me on amazon too on audible amazon i'm still under wellness with Cinelia. all right thank you and stay blessed and keep watching the egoic mood until next time This is an exercise I usually do and I'm registering it for you. After you finish read, it doesn't matter which book you read, the Bible or a good book or listening to my podcast or Audible. 
listening is one thing, but let the words sink in and pay attention to what you're reading and let it sink in you. It's another, it's not everyone doing it. And to me, that's the reason why um, so many people just say they read the Bible over and over, but really don't really understand it. Because the word don't sink in. And, uh, and when the word's not sinking, it's just like it's something vague. You know, you just listen to it vaguely, but it didn't stay until you go back and listen to it again. Maybe this time in a good mood, um, you're relaxing and, you know, you put more attention into it. But mostly, if after you read and you can stay calm and listen to music like a, a quiet meditation, and just, you don't have to think about anything. You, you, you just kind of relax and let the music take you with the words you finish listening. And that's the reason why I put the music after this um, after the reading and I'm going to leave you now with the rest of the music just relax and let the music take you maybe you might be in bed sleeping and uh, by listening to the reading it might take you to sleep or it might not but by listening to the music and listening to the words that you listen on the reading podcast that will take you to your next level. Until next time, just stay with this music. That's my favorite music.